In Her Company is a growing platform for women to discuss how they create, build, and live. I am In Her Company's founder and creator. I am also a published author, consultant to multi-passionate women, and socialpreneur. My name is Chris Vaughn. Welcome. Today we are speaking with Dr. Kathleen Funk, a fourth-generation healer and founder of Acupuncture, a practice integrating functional and Chinese medicine to provide natural solutions to health. Dr. Funk's belief in our innate ability to heal led her to earn a bachelor's in philosophy and medicine, a doctorate of acupuncture and oriental medicine, and complete her residency in China. Dr. Funk joins us to discuss creating something new from tradition, the courage to follow our path, and holding a space for others without losing ourselves. Dr. Funk, welcome to Inner Company. Thank you so much for having me, Ms. Chris. You. So, let's see now. You're a Filipino woman, a doctor of Chinese medicine, and a fourth-generation healer. So, what led you to where you are today? Oh, wow. Well, you know, it all started with, of course, my family and the tradition that runs through my family. And I grew up with natural healing. I grew up with herbal remedies and listening to my intuition. That was just something that was normal, you know. And it wasn't until I started playing with other kids where I realized, oh, this is... (laughs) This is not the norm. <laughs> People don't <laughs> listen to that internal voice as much, and I probably shouldn't talk about it like <laughs> like it is. But uh, ever since I was really young, I always knew that I wanted to help other people heal or hold space for other people to heal. And it didn't really matter what form that took. I just kind of went with the automatic, um, the automatic things that you know of very driven immigrant parents want their children to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're you're either a doctor, um, a an engineer or somebody in finance, you know, health sciences. And so I thought, you know, uh, a valid career path would most likely be to become an MD. So I went into medicine thinking that that was how I was going to uh, bring this dream to life. And it wasn't until I got into college that I had this really wonderful professor who really, who took me aside and mentored me in this because he helped me to realize that I didn't have to be a conventional physician in order to help people. And he really questioned, you know, what sort of physician do you want to be? Take what you have, take the full breadth of what you have, and then see what you can do with that. And so rather than sticking myself into like the very square box that we all expect, um, I, I pursued traditional Chinese medicine because I felt like it was the path in which the philosophical tenets that I believed in, meaning that I believed in holistic healing, I believed mm-hmm. in mind, body, and spirit, and I believed in natural, natural solutions to people's health. And so I, I discovered it then. And uh, I found a lot of the uh, traditional Chinese elements really echoed some of the traditional healing styles that uh, my family also carried through. 
And so what I practice now is a blend of all of that. And of course, my my nerdy self is really into functional medicine and modern medicine. And so I find a way to, to blend that and, and translate the traditional into the modern. You know, you said two things that um, kind of stood out there. The first one was to follow a valid path. Um, <laughs> yes. You, you know, parents, they, they mean well and what they want children, what any parent, including myself, what we want our children to do is to be able to grow up, to fend for themselves, to be self-sufficient mm-hmm. and take care of not only themselves, but their family. And so they usually say something like, you know, valid or especially if you're interested in the arts or something more creative, they'll say, ah, oh, that's nice. But OK, so what's going to be right. your real job, you know? And exactly. so the message that we hear is like, uh oh, okay, so this is nice, but it's really not going to count. Right. But the other thing that you mentioned, which is kind of surprising, because we also often believe that the pathway to success is to emulate someone else. And mm-hmm. honestly, it is contradictory. It makes no it makes no sense whatsoever because we try to. It's not necessarily to look at their best best practices or to see mm-hmm. how they done things so that we can draw from what we need, which is what it should actually be. We think that we have to conform or either transform ourselves into someone else. So to hear one of your college professors who you more than likely felt that you had to emulate to hear that person say, no, 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 mm-hmm. don't be like me, find <laughs> your own path. That's that's right. remarkable. It really is. It's a it's a novel sort of idea, I think, especially coming from an immigrant family, because you know the context of that is that my parents had very successful careers in the Philippines, and they gave up everything so that I could have a better life here. Mm-hmm. And so, when when you do that for your child, you would hope that they would do something that would build upon that. Mm-hmm. And so when I was like, I'm going to do traditional medicine, they were like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> they don't do that. They're like, America. no, 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 no. <laughs> that is, that's not what we gave up everything for. <laughs> oh, um, and it's so funny because, you know, my parents are a couple of my biggest, biggest supporters in this. And they, they have always um, cultivated my love of the arts and all of the other, and all of the things like, uh, in humanity that really helped me to become a whole well-rounded person. Mm-hmm. And this was one of the fears that they had to get over. You know, like we, we've taught her to become this well-rounded person. And yet, um, we're telling her maybe this isn't the right thing to do. <laughs> just, just do the path that, that is a sure thing. And yeah. it's been a really interesting experience coming into my own in this field because even within the Chinese medical field, if I'm, if I'm completely honest, most of the people who are in this field who are at the top of their game who are super successful are white males. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have someone. And that's interesting I didn't in have, yeah, yeah, exactly. I didn't have another uh, successful businesswoman to emulate. And I certainly didn't have any that were, were willing to mentor me or, or speak to me or help me along that path either. Unfortunately, I, I almost feel like that was a blessing because I wasn't, I wasn't limited by what I could see. I knew that I had to create my own blueprint. I knew mm-hmm. that I had to go 
beyond what I thought was possible. And yeah, it and made me look internally. Yeah. yeah. And that's one of the things is sort of like getting a mixed message because you want your children to be well-rounded individuals. Mm-hmm. And we spend so much time, you know, we want them to accept themselves. But then when it comes to our definitions of success or the paths that we believe are successful, it's almost like telling them, yeah, accept yourself, but you have to reject yourself at the same time. So right. what are some of the inklings that we should pay attention to and what are some that we definitely should ignore? Right. Um, weirdly enough, the thing that tells me I'm on the path is, and I hope that it's okay to curse on this podcast and I apologize in advance. But <laughs> Make it plain. It's, uh, <laughs> It's doing the thing that scares the shit out of you. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I, I say that because a lot of times when we're, when we're coming across something that, you know, we know deeply resonates with us and we find that it is completely beyond us and we start getting into our heads about like, no, I'm not ready for that. Or like, that's not in my past. Like as for me, it was like starting my own business or like starting my own clinic and then branching on my own. And I'm like, who am I to do that? And it's that feeling where you know you're on a precipice of something great that you have to really push through. That you have to like listen to the true voice internally where you're like, I'm meant to do this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what we have to listen to. And for me, the thing that's guided me the most that leads me to that point is whenever I choose to do something that breaks my heart open that like them them really truly makes my heart sing where I feel like this is what I'm meant to do. And so because we don't do that though, let me ask you another question, um, mm-hmm. somewhat piggybacking on that, is because we often don't take the time to learn who we are ourselves, we often wind up creating an environment for ourselves unintentionally, which is totally different than cultivating an environment that's conducive to our growth, our development, and just the way that we truly want to live. So can you speak a little bit about what's the difference between creating an environment and cultivating it, and how do we tell that we're doing one versus the other? Yeah, uh, subconscious, I'm sorry, not subconsciously, but rather unconsciously creating an environment is, you know, doing, doing the safe path, doing the thing mm-hmm. that you think that society tells you to do and ending up in a place, you know, 20 years later, realizing that you don't love anything that you've created and it doesn't do anything to support you and you have to tear it all down anyway. Does that make sense? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. unconsciously allowing things to be created rather than consciously cultivating, creating, making choices in your life that actually support you and nourish you and put you on that path. I think that that's the difference. And, you know, people are experiencing that right now because here we are still within the COVID situation. And mm-hmm. had it not happened, there would be... I would say even the majority of people would still be doing things out of habit. And this is the first time for many people, I'm sure, that they're left alone with their own thoughts 
that Mm -hmm. they cannot be busy for the sake of just being busy. They can't fill their days with, you know, tasks upon tasks or, you know, distractions because they're simply not there. So, Mm -hmm. you know, had it not been for this major interruption or disruption, whatever words you want to put on it, a lot of people would still be acting out of habit rather than as they are right now questioning what it is that they've been doing and becoming very intentional about what they want to add to their lives. Exactly. Yeah. And it's times like these that it really is when the, the unconscious choices in our lives catch up to us, you know? And it's huge disruptions like this when we realize when we have like this existential crisis, like, oh, I haven't been living the life that I wanted. And, you know, there was an uptick in separation between people over the quarantine time, specifically because these people who had been busy, busy, busy in their lives hadn't spent as much time with their spouses or partners. And suddenly they're stuck in the home for nine weeks with one person. And they're like, quickly, are you again? They quickly realize, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, this this happens where like people call them and be like, you know, what can I do? Uh, I'm realizing that I I actually don't enjoy this person, or I don't enjoy this person that I've become. And that's that's so. It's a painful realization, but it's really in that discomfort where we can lean in and we can challenge ourselves to shift and consciously make choices from then on. Yeah, because I, I would imagine, you know, you say discomfort, but I'm sure for, you know, a lot of people, that's just utterly just crushing. Oh, but sure. in, in, you know, line with your practice, though, there's the ideal of, or we hear so much, um, especially on TV with all the commercials, we hear so much about chronic, <laughs> chronic illness, chronic illnesses, chronic diseases, what are some things that you've noticed that we generally accept as chronic, but they really aren't? And I'm going to leave that open-ended on purpose for you to address it however, mm-hmm. because I feel there may be some relationship between what we already discussed and the question I'm asking, but you're the expert, so why don't you tell us? Yeah, I would love to explore that with you, because I, I know that we've had a couple discussions about this. For me, I... I would say that things that we think are acute, meaning short term, are actually more chronic than we realize because our, our consciousness or our daily consciousness is so good at being efficient that it just goes into habit. And a lot of times we don't change things until symptoms start to occur, until like red flags start to pick up. But because our bodies and our minds are so efficient and so good at just compensating for mm-hmm. certain lack, we don't realize that it's an issue until like years later. And so unless we are constantly being mindful, unless we are consciously cultivating that practice, we we tend to think that things that are, oh, this, you know, I just started getting anxiety the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Actually, no, that's been a lot more chronic. It's, it's been a lead up of a few months before you actually started consciously noticing that anxiety oh, or, wow. oh, okay. you know, like we're realizing now that autoimmune diseases, um, right. when you start to, to have symptoms of autoimmune disease, it's actually 
a manifestation of over 10 years of living life a certain way. That oh, wow. It's actually creating a shift in your body. And it isn't until like 10 years later that you're actually getting this, these symptoms. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's definitely a different way to look at it. Because we generally figure when something comes up, it's like, okay, what have I done within the past 24 hours? Or what did I do within the past week? And what you're saying is that the body has been responding, but perhaps we just haven't been noticing, especially with the lifestyles that we've created. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of these, like the the ads and um, commercials that you're talking about, I know are usually like pharmaceuticals that talk about like taking care of symptoms from chronic illnesses, you know. But the thing is, is that the covering up of these symptoms is covering up the ways in which our body is trying to communicate with us. And just covering up the symptoms isn't the solution. When we start to see that, oh, there are acute shifts, there are short-term symptoms that are happening in my body, that is a sign for us to go, okay, what can I change? What do I need to listen to? How can I shift my life so that I can accommodate this and I can... I don't have to live with it chronically because it, it's always going to be a choice. You don't have to live with this stuff. Uh, but if you cover up the symptoms, it will be chronic. Yeah. And you know, the commercials really don't help either because they take, <laughs> no. you know, perfectly <laughs> happy couple or individual and, you know, they're smiling through the commercial and whatnot. And then it gets to the end and it says, Oh yeah, by the way, and this may cost, and I'm being, facetious here. This may cause small earthquakes, minor irritations, threat of risk of heart, heart attack, it may cause death. And, and and the person on the screen is still smiling. It's like, ah, oh, still smiling. Okay. So, Blissfully yeah, like, smiling. Your so-called cure is worse than what you have. No, just bear with it. Right. <laughs> and, you know, I, I often wonder what our, our lives and our health would be like if if it wasn't just big pharma doing those commercials, like what yeah. if natural medicine did that? What if natural medicine did ads like that and allowed people to see like that side uh, and what, you know, what? That's a you know, great the potential idea, of the medicine. That yeah. is a great idea. You should do that. Because <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a different, um, it's a different approach and dependent on what you're treating. It may be more gradual, it may take longer, but the body's response to it is so much better and exactly. it, it lasts longer. So mm-hmm. yeah, you know, yeah. I heard I have yeah. a, my husband grew up yeah. in Germany and you know, I've heard from my friends, they don't allow commercials like that on TV, like what we have here. And their populations are, you know, far healthier. So, but that's another discussion. (laughs) Well, you know, the naturopathic medicine in in Germany is pretty big, and they're making leaps and bounds in like stem cell research, and and I think it's really interesting what they were doing there. I have a few of my patients who've actually gone to Germany for treatments there because they they provide treatments that we're just simply not allowed to touch here in the States. But these are oh, wow. natural treatments, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I kind of, I, it makes me feel emboldened too when I hear that because it's like, you know, Big Pharma does this. Uh, 
why don't natural medicine healers do this too? Because I feel like we owe it to the public to be able to let them know that there are other options. And not to say that I'm against uh, Western medicine, because I, I think I love and respect it. And I think that there's mm-hmm. a time and place for it, but just like natural medicine, it isn't the only answer. Right. And so um, something that's also relevant today is, you know, stress, mm. you know, being able to release stress and to retain our own energy is so important now more so than ever. So what are some of the ways that we can hold space for others? Because there's so much going on nowadays. It's not only for illnesses, it's, you know, things that we didn't even re- realize, like the pain we didn't even realize that so many of us are carrying with us. And so how can we hold space for others without losing ourselves? And that's not only for the caregivers who may be taking care of their parents, but, you know, just in general. How can we hold space for others without losing ourselves? Yeah, balance and measure, you know, um, being able to balance and listen to one's own body too, because we're responsible for this body and this spirit as well. And so we have to be able to take care of this in order for us to be able to hold space for other people. And something that I really want to touch on, especially as a healer, is that I think that a lot of healers mistake um, their ego for their want to heal. And mm. so, and I, I don't mean this in a, in a judgmental sort of way, because I think we all fall into this where it's just like, I, I need to heal this person. And so we put all of our energy into it. And when, when it doesn't work out the way we want to, we blame ourselves, et cetera, et cetera. But truly it isn't the healer's power that heals a person. Your only task is to be able to hold space for another person. And when you do that, you don't put your ego into it. You don't put yourself and muddy up that connection, if that makes sense. And so the energy is very different in that space. And that's one of the ways that one can um, hold space for healing and not get lost in the sauce, as they say. Gotcha. Because we all, um, even the what people would consider the traditional doctor-patient relationship, that's a partnership. The doctor can... Regardless of the practice, the doctors, of course, have the knowledge and they can tell you what's going on with your body and how best to care for it. However, your health is still your responsibility. And so you always have the responsibility to not only educate yourself the best of your ability with what's going on, but the responsibility to your own self to carry that through to see yourself back to your optimum health nobody's gonna go home and make you take the medicine or whatever else you know of course within special cases so yeah but that responsibility (laughs) never it doesn't leave us just because we enter into a relationship with someone who's going to help treat us right and so like being being aware that um your your autonomy and your authority in that space you know it, i think that a lot of people move into working with their doctors and they're like uh, anything that he says goes and you know one should take the time to research whether or not this person knows what they're doing mm-hmm. and obviously you know there's a lot of education that goes into becoming a doctor and becoming a physician and there's authority in that. But at the end of the day, you know your body the best. 
you're the person who has to experience it day in, day out, 24-7. And so if something doesn't resonate with you, you need to find you need to find something that does. You need to find a physician that is willing to listen and collaborate with you. And, you know, so much of the healing process is finding somebody who resonates. Yeah, and speaking of resonating, I read several articles and they were talking about the role of not only ethnicity, but the role of culture and health or the mm-hmm. patient heritage and health. Can you speak a little bit towards that? Yeah, I think that indigenous medicine encompass mind, body, and spirit. And that is something that's worth missing in westernized medicine, I believe, or colonialized medicine. Mm-hmm. The aspect of the mind and spirit aligning with the body is is not really something that we talk about. Like, when's the last time you went to your gynecologist and you're like, hey, I have irregular periods, and they're like, how's your spirit, though? <laughs> that isn't a Call in a now conversation if you ever your doctor asks you that because I haven't. <laughs> uh, yeah, and the thing is, in Chinese medicine, that is a huge part of what happens. So we all know that stress affects our hormones, and that is one level on the physiological level. But when things shift in our spirit, it trickles down into our physical blueprint as well. And so being able to tap into these indigenous medicines can harken back to this time of pre-colonial medicine, harken back to this deep generational feeling where we can start to reintegrate parts of ourselves that we may have lost through this colonialization. Oh, that's, and that's the interesting key. thing is, yeah, the interesting thing is, is that it's not just uh, BIPOC. It's not just uh, Black Indigenous people of color that feel this feeling. It's also Caucasian people. It's people of all different walks of life, orientations, and color, because we all have that mind, body, and spirit that we need to reintegrate. And even if you are outside of the color spectrum, perhaps, you still find healing in an indigenous medicine. Yeah, because everybody has, you know, such rich cultures. There's such rich diversity, I mean, Mm -hmm. just all throughout life. And you have to wonder if part of our ailments are because we're really disconnected from ourselves and we're disconnected from each other. Yeah, and I find that being able to touch into that part of oneself makes one more open to connect with other people. And and really that at the root of my medicine and my practice is what I what I hope to do with everyone. I, I want people to be able to tap into themselves and realize that, you know, at the at the core of it, we're just spirits embodied. You know, we all have the same drive. We all have Yeah. 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 And exactly. we might have grown up in different cultures, but we we all are trying to move in the same direction. So you mentioned us at the beginning of our conversation, and I want to bring this into creating or weaving something new from tradition. So all throughout this conversation, you were mentioning how your path, no matter what you did, basically, no matter what you set out to do, it led you back to yourself and you allowed your path to bring you back to yourself, back to what was truly you and 
further embracing not only yourself, but your culture, your heritage, your upbringing, etc. There's an idea that in order to make room for ourselves or in order to create that we have to destroy. That's obviously not necessarily the case. So from your own example, how can we make spaces for ourselves and make something new in light of tradition or in light of the past? I, I would say that we start off, you know, we got to trust the journey and we got to trust the detour because speaking very specifically with my path, if I didn't trust the detour, if I didn't explore Western medicine, if I didn't get into that side of it, I wouldn't have been able to come to a point where I could blend these medicines, you know, and if I had just started off with traditional medicine, I wouldn't have explored the other side of this too. And I feel like that detour made me stronger as a physician. It made me stronger as a healer and even better. It it gave me an opportunity to better know myself. And I think that we transform and transmute more so than we destroy because there's so much in our past, in our lineages, in our history that make up of who we are right now in this very point in time. And if we were to destroy that, we would essentially be destroying parts of ourselves. Yeah. And so finding ways to honor that, but then also furthering that so that we can make it relevant for ourselves and for future generations is really important. So by honoring those things that you mentioned, mm-hmm. it takes the pressure off also, I would imagine. And we're paying attention to, we begin to pay attention to our own flows in addition to that as individuals along this path, because we hear so much about trusting the journey. I've never heard anyone say, trust the detour. Detours are typically (laughs) something that we fight against, we rail against, or we just like, oh my gosh, what the heck, go into panic over, like what's going on? We had a plan and then, Mm -hmm. you know, tangent. And if we can trust the detour, and if we can, in fact, honor, I'm assuming that our bodies would be in a better position to heal, and so would our lives. But of course, that's easier oh, said sure. than done, you know. So, right. what are some practical ways, like just two or three practical ways that our listeners can even begin to do this so that they can get on whatever is the right track for them? I think that my favorite thing to suggest to people that I think that it's like hits all of the, the high points that I think are important in being mindful in cultivating one's own path and even one's own health. There's physiological benefits, spiritual benefits, and even like psychological benefits from it. And it's completely free. It's meditation and just taking time to oneself to listen. Meditation and prayer really where I know you and I have had this conversation where prayer is more so like in dialogue with the divine, whereas yes. meditation is simply listening. And that's where we can see situations like detours and we can listen and we can understand what we're meant to learn from those detours so that we can move forward and integrate them into something so much greater than what we thought we were capable of. And it, it brings to mind, you know, the journey that you've shared with me, Ms. Chris, because like I know that you had a history of being a consultant and then you also became an author and now yeah. you're here putting women in the front spotlight and, and you know, spotlighting people of color 
spotlighting people of color and uh, women-owned businesses as well. And you've taken all that you've learned, even through the detour of like of being an author, and you've created something so much greater than what you had before. Oh, thank you for the kind words. Thank you. Absolutely. It's the truth. Because I, I yeah. do enjoy that. I never thought I would be an author and I've taken the creativity, um, that I discovered because I never even thought I was creative. My version of being creative was creating businesses, creating projects. Mm-hmm. It was definitely not, <laughs> not writing. I have, I've taken that creativity and placed it into what I do now and am able to help women at a an entirely different and deeper level than what I have been before. So thank you so much right. for realizing that. For sure. And, you know, something that we have to remind ourselves, and I'm saying this also is like a reminder to self that like life is not linear. There is always going to be an ebb and flow. And yeah. somehow our society has tricked us into thinking that, like, if you're successful, then you stay, you stay successful all the time and you never drop down from that and you never have to recalibrate. Heck yeah, it's supposed to be a, you know, straight yeah. trajectory. You know, you're, you're rocketing right. and you're jetting forward to where you need to be. Nobody ever tells you about the flows. You think that if you ran into an ebb somewhere, that means you did something wrong. Yeah, and it, and it isn't failure, you know. It's, when we back off of that and we recalibrate and we realize, oh, I have a passion in something else. I, I have a talent to create something else other than what I was creating before. Now, then when you get back into that flow, then you can take all of the lessons that you've learned from there and reintegrate it. But the thing is, is that you have to be mindful and you have to be grounded enough to be able to see those things happening in front of you or else it happens like at a split second and you, you end up falling back into a habit of uh, unconsciously creating rather than consciously creating. Well, Dr. Funk, thank you so much for the insight that you shared with us. But please tell our listeners what's next on the agenda for you and how can they reach you? What is next on the agenda is we are currently reopening our clinic and we're still seeing patients virtually. So if you are interested in exploring your health deeper and getting to the root of your feelings, then please reach out to us. Our website is acupuncture.com. It's A-C-U-F-U-N-K-T-O-R-E.com. And you can also find me on IG where we share a lot of functional med, uh, spiritual health, and uh, mind-body medicine tips on IG at acupuncture. Well, again... Thank you, Dr. Funk, for spending this time with us today, for sharing your insight and your path. It's so obvious how connected that you are not only within your own life, but to those that you serve as well. So thank you for being with us today. Oh, my gosh. It is always a pleasure to chat with you. Uh, you know, you're my tea friend, and um, <laughs> we can always chat over a cup of tea anytime. <laughs> thank you. Our first live event of 2020 happened. 
Tuesday, June 30th at 1230 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 530 p.m. British Summertime. Join us for the Not Just Tea panel as four women with varying perspectives and expertise discuss how industrialization and colonization has shaped our view of tea culture, kept a 5,000-year-old history hidden, the future of ancient indigenous tea and its traditions, and the surrounding ecology it stands to impact. Registration is now open. Visit notjusttea.eventbrite.com to join the conversation. for listening. We invite you to become part of this growing platform for women, showcasing how we create, build, and live to help you answer the question, what's next, and create a plan to get it. Join our email list for opportunities to connect, get involved, and move from transition to transformation. Great things truly do happen when women gather. Till next time, my name is Chris Vaughn. This is In Her Company.